Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Morning the Podcast. Your host James, and uh, yeah, just uh, back with another episode. Really excited. Glad you guys are here to listen. And uh, today we are going to talk about the uh, ups and downs, or uh, rise and fall, or triumph and destruction of a game company that a lot of people know about, and it's Konami, right? So we're going to talk about Konami for a little while. And uh, yeah, just kind of wanted to talk about them because, you know, it's it's really funny. You know, we, we get to <laughs> mentioning games that are coming out, games that we're nostalgic about. Um, and it, it seems to happen more often than not that Konami comes up as just one of the more faulty developers where it's like, okay, why is it that we can't have another title from this franchise or this franchise? And I mean, it's it's so often that I was like, man, I I really want to look into this and see what you know, like what the problem is. And what's weird is that in my research, it's really not even all that complicated. It's really simple as far as what's going on. So I don't know. Let's like dig in. Right. Um, so. It, you know, I'm I'm gonna play this out f- as I'm gonna play this out from the bottom, right? Because, you know, maybe maybe somebody listening doesn't know who Konami is, doesn't know what they develop, probably doesn't remember what they develop, whatever the case. Okay, so Konami is a game company that started with the uh, with the new boom of the gaming industry, and when I say the new boom, basically what I mean is that you know nintendo came out after the after the video game crash uh that happened in the 70s uh nintendo came back and they just like sent a whole different surge into the gaming industry and they really revitalized a lot of what was going on at the time um and konami was around for that so um that was a really big and cool thing now at the time you know kids and and people you know, especially myself, didn't care where games came from. We recognized where games came from, especially coming into the 16-bit era. I mean, you knew at that point, you knew your Midways, you knew your Capcoms, you knew your Konamis. Um, But, you know, in the beginning, it was was so different because, you know, the one thing that I, especially right now, like what I want to point out is I want to point out the games and, and things that people might not remember or might not even think about konami ever having a hand in right so when they when they started making games on nintendo um before they even hit nintendo they were making games for uh for other systems um they actually started making games uh on the atari 2600 and then they made games for the msx home computer and what's really funny and you'll know it if you if you know your history uh, about one of their more famous franchises in Metal Gear. Metal Gear started off on the MSX home computer. That was the first, uh, uh, you know, release for that particular game. It wasn't on the NES. It wasn't on the PlayStation. It was it was on the MSX, right? Um, Snake's Revenge did come out on the NES as, a, as an original title, um, but that's, you know, that's just other stuff uh but you know so in the 80s um konami was killing it konami was releasing games like left and right they were killing it and aside from all of their releases 
there was there. So Nintendo was the most dominant thing in the late 80s, the mid to late 80s. They were the most dominant thing and they were able to set a standard and their standard. If many of you remember, I mean, some of you as collectors can go and look into your library and like if if not all of them. The majority of the Nintendo games have the Nintendo seal of quality, right? And that was Nintendo's big thing. Nintendo was very, very stringent on the releases of games on their system. They didn't want another crash to take place because that was the reason that the crash happened in the first place. A lot of crappy games coming out at one time, uh, a lot of money spent, and all of a sudden nobody has money. Okay. So Nintendo decided to nip that in the bud and say, look, we're going to make sure that the games you guys are putting out is going to sell. And that's the bottom line. That's it. And so that was that was just the thing. That's what you had to do. But um, but with that, they you know, one one part of their rule sets was that they only allowed developers to release so many games within a year so many games within a year so you know and konami to have been on you know you know hitting their stride at the time they weren't trying to slow down they struck while the iron was hot and they were looking to cash in right and you know nintendo was the biggest hottest thing so what did konami do in order to solidify you know uh you know them gaining revenue they made a subsidiary and uh, basically in that and, and this is something I didn't know at the time, but it was really cool to learn. Um, basically, creating a small, you know, a small company on the side allowed them to continue releasing games under a separate moniker while still bringing in money for the main home base. So that was really cool. So the, the subsidiary was called Ultra. And I know a lot of you will remember Ultra because Ultra was the uh, they were the um, the publishing company that released the original uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game on the NES. They also were uh, were the company that released uh, uh, Skate or Die, if you remember that. And also they released Metal Gear when it came to the NES. Yes, they did. So um, but it was but again, it was all a ruse and it was all basically uh, done uh, under Konami just so they can just keep the games coming out and it was a good strategy it was an absolutely good strategy reason being is because they you know coming okay so they transitioned from being a jukebox rental and repair company all right so they did that then they started making uh coin coin games uh for arcades or you know they weren't really arcades but you know uh I guess you can call them arcades in Japan and then they transitioned and started distributing uh, games to the U.S. And within that time, you know, in the early 80s, you know, er, you know, early 70s, 80s, they were worth, what, 10 million, which is which would be a lot today. But they went from 10 million to 300 million by 1991. So they were so if you know, if this was today's standards, they would have been worth half a billion today if that same business model was able to happen with today's figures and, and money, they'd be worth half a billion. It's insane. 
But that's what they did. And that's how and that's how they and that's how they were able to gain so much revenue. Now, um, you know, as most people know, you know, the uh, 16 bit era came and, you know, it, it was it was one of those inevitable things. And I think it's just as, you know, people remember it was always one thing that you knew when a new system was coming out. It was literally just going to be double the number of bits from the last generation. So it was always going to be double. So it was always like 8, 16, 32, 64. That's just how it was. Okay. So in the 16 bit era, Konami did a whole lot of really good stuff, but I, I believe that what they focused on at that time was a lot cooler. And it was definitely something to show that they could make better games outside of the simplicity that the NES offered because while the game but but let me just say while the games were simple as far as the way that they looked they were absolutely complex and just like story um you know uh you know the 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 levels everything like their like their Castlevania series is like legendary it's like legendary like I don't even want to sit there and like play it out like that wasn't a good game Like that was like those were like the best games they ever came out. But when they hit the 16, um, 16 bit era, I mean, they were coming out with some really good stuff. Like on Sega, they came out with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Hyperstone Heist. Um, They came out with um, Salamander, uh, which is a really fun space shooter. And then they came out with probably the best 16 bit game. It's arguable. Somebody may try to say something else, but I'm putting my bid in and I'm going to say the best 16 bit game ever created is um, Super Castlevania four. I mean, and 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 I mean, if you if if you want to say that it's not, then I would I would argue that it's the best that Konami put out in 16 bit era. I mean, I'm just saying. And what's cool is that Konami. As a company. Was able to do. All of this while being around companies that were flourishing in their own right. I mean, I could say a bunch of company names and you would probably think of a few games that came out in it, you know, in their respective time, especially in the mid 90s. And it's like, wow, Konami was able to bob and weave through that and still be successful. I mean, let's go over it. So like they they were they were making really good strides when you had LucasArts, you had id software you had sierra games a lot of people don't remember sierra games they originally were the ones that uh published uh half-life don't remember um and capcom and midway these guys were all making really you know impactful strides in arcade and home gaming and konami was still you know, doing their thing. Konami was also focusing on becoming a bigger company altogether. See, a lot of companies, a lot of the companies like I just mentioned, most of them have folded. Most of them have been uh, consolidated into other companies. Some have, um, have flourished and some were able to grow 
in expanse of maybe one franchise like Capcom is probably as big as it is because of one thing and that is Street Fighter. Street Fighter has made Capcom it, it's the you know they they have that uh they have that that saying you know it's the house that X and X built. Street Fighter is what built Capcom to what it is today. So that is that that's an absolute and like with Konami, Konami has so much down its pipeline. You can't really say that any one franchise is what built Konami to its to its to what it is today. What what built Konami to what it is today is their ability to, you know, to structure and restructure as a company from inside. All about just white collar stuff. And that and that's all they've been doing this entire time while while releasing really good games. Um and like and think about think about like in the arcade, right? So in the arcade mid nineties, what did you have? You know, you had your Street Fighters, you had your Mortal Kombat's, you had your Terminator Two shooters, you had you know so many different games. But like when you think about like Konami and what they were doing at the time, man, they were they were putting out Sunset Riders, Lethal Enforcers, Silent Scope, Dance Dance Revolution, you know, the Simpsons arcade um you know x-men arcade and and like the most popular game probably the most popular arcade game ever made was uh was the ninja turtles arcade game i mean that was like undeniable like it there there was no way that anybody ever walked into an arcade and not you know pumped a few quarters in there and and you always did it with your friends right like and and like you never nobody ever, like at least in my experience nobody ever just went up to a turtles machine and played by themselves it was like pretty pointless you know um you know i used to like basically like i would i would be walking around the arcade i remember this as a kid and and this was at the times where like if i didn't go with friends and if dude like if i saw somebody walking towards turtles I would just walk right up to him and just ask him straight out. Are you getting ready to play? Yeah, I'm going to play. Okay, let's play. <clears throat> you know, but I would never, ever play Turtles by myself. Ever. Ever. It was pointless. It was. And I think I think that honestly, I think that's how they built their their uh, their co-op games. They built them so that, you know, it was pretty dire playing by yourself. And, you know, when you had, you know, a full deck, then, you you know, you went out and you shoot. You can make it all the way to level four or five, you know, so. You know, it was really fun with, with their arcade stuff. <clears throat> I enjoyed their arcade stuff. Um, but, you know, like the arcade wasn't where they I mean, it was where they were really impactful. But like when we really think about Konami or at least when I think about Konami, like the, the one thing that really hits me is like their their stance in like from like 94 to like 97 98 because at that time they were coming out with stuff that was just mind-blowing and just so good that you just couldn't fathom like like how anything like that could exist like I'll, i will tell you straight up okay so what did they create around that time metal gear solid that's one thing so Metal Gear Solid is one. Another one is Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Like, 
I don't even want to like, I don't even want to go there with Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And a lot of you might be saying, oh, well, it didn't look as good as Super Castlevania. Okay, so, you know, when it comes to like the looks of Symphony, <clears throat> okay, maybe it didn't look as good as like, you know, um, Super Castlevania 4, but it was it was the score. It was the voice acting. It was just it was the culmination. It was just everything together just made that game so awesome. And the same thing goes for Metal Gear Solid. Like that game was so good. And I remember how good it was because it was just so engaging. It just pulled you in. And it's like no no think of any other game that did that besides maybe resident evil at the time right like games didn't do that but these games did you know uh castlevania symphony of the night is a game that coined a phrase that we use today metroidvania <laughs> like what is this right and I mean, Metal Gear Solid was literally a an interactive movie. Now, it was bogged down by it was bogged down by, you know, the graphical limitations at the time. But for sure, with every remake and remaster and ability that Konami has taken to you know level up and show the true potential of their games bro everything that they've released has been masterpieces they've done super well but not all the time not all the time now uh, now again like i said konami for years was focused on just growing as a company. Their whole big thing was getting as much of a grip on the market, the world market of gaming. And not only that, they were doing stuff that, you know, when you think about it, you're like, man, Nintendo had only just started doing that, what, five, 10 years ago. And Konami was doing it 15, 20. They had, they had you know, Konami had acquired uh two health and fitness companies they acquired a people company and Dae uh, olympic sport club these are two uh, japanese um uh conglomerates but they they acquired you know two health and fitness you know uh companies because they were just expanding their reach into different things they produced the first silent hill movie you know, like they like they have put their hat in every single circle that they can. But again, it doesn't always work. Now, one of their most notable acquisitions, one of their most notable acquisitions was Hudson Soft. So, you know, a lot of people might be saying, like, who is Hudson Soft? OK, <clears throat> Hudson Soft is a company that made a lot of really classic titles and they were doing it on their own volition like th they were they're another company that 
really didn't have anything to lose, but they were just making so much good stuff. Um, they made the Adventure Island games. They made Load Runner. They made Yeast uh, 1 and 2, which is a really popular RPG that people play even to this day. They made Bloody Roar. They made Bonk's Adventure. And the most notable game that they made was Bomberman. And Konami was able to bring that all into their fold. Which, when you think about it, like that's one of those things that as a fan of that company, you're just like, man, I can't wait until they make another Bloody Roar game or another Bomberman or another this or that. But, you know, things happen. <laughs> um, you know, Konami... Konami and themselves have made a lot of classic games. And if I were just to come off the top and just say, like, what are some of their most famous games? Some of their top games, I'd just be like, like off my head, I'd say like Castlevania Symphony Night for sure. Um, the Suikoden series is like classic. You know, it doesn't get enough recognition by name, but I know that when people when it when if it's brought into a circle it's like people will be like yeah 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 that yeah for sure um me personally i a lot of people like sweeping in two i like three but you know to each his own um silent hill and i would go two and three as a tie for which one's more popular you know i liked both of them i liked the first one because it really did set a standard but two and three bro like psh, can't beat it and then um Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Like that's I, to me that's the best Metal Gear game that came out. Not the highest not not it's not not by any stretch but we'll we'll talk about that. Um but even with the hand, even with their handheld uh you know ambitions like they were they were dominating the handheld market. Like Nintendo you know Nintendo's been their their biggest and best partner in crime. And with it, you know, with all the iterations of Nintendo devices, you know, from the Game Boy to the color to, you know, the advance to the DS to the 3DS and onwards, they've been at Konami's been able to release some type of game that took advantage of that technology. They've been able to put out some really mean Castlevania games on the handhelds. Some that even rival the importance of some of the console versions of the games. Because they be and mostly it's because they go um because they follow the more classic formula. Because at the time, you know, while they were releasing these handheld versions of these games, we were getting you know, we were getting uh, console versions, you know, like uh, um, uh, Lemon of Innocence and uh, um, Curse of Darkness. And, you know, we were getting stuff like that. And while those games weren't bad, they, you know, people, it was just very apparent that people just wanted to play like the classic style of Castlevania. Right. And that's all fine and dandy. Um, you know, for me. You know, with the handheld, like my favorite out of all of the handheld Castlevanias is absolutely, absolutely Order of Ecclesia. 
And if I had to uh, pick it, pick a game with, you know, somebody with a vampire killer, then I would say probably Harmony of Dissonance. Um, but they're all classics. Every last one of their games that they released on handheld are classics. Now, I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people that will say, how dare you mention handheld and not talk about Area of Sorrow or Dawn of Sorrow? I've never played them. <laughs> I don't plan to play them. And I think mostly, well, see, it's it's not even really a valid argument because my because like when I didn't play them, my argument was at the time it was, well, they're not they don't have vampire killers. So if you don't have a whip, I'm not going to play. But then I played Order of Ecclesia and that was like the first game I played without, you know, a, a protagonist without a whip, whatever. Um, but yeah, th again, those are classic games that came out on their handheld systems. So, you know, Konami could do no wrong at that time. They could do no wrong. Um, but, you know, with with all good stuff comes like, you know, a turn. Um, and they definitely had their turn where things just kind of, you know, started to go down. So um, it, most gamers, most PS4 gamers will remember that. Uh, we were treated to a playable teaser called PT uh, that came out in 2014. And it was such a mystery for the longest time. Um, it's probably one of the scariest demos I've ever played. Um, it's not available anymore. You cannot find this on, um, on the PlayStation Store anymore. And let me tell you why. Um, Konami basically had a midlife crisis. And there was just a lot going on in the uh, uh, mid 2010s. And um, well, what they did was they, they basically did. They did a bunch of stuff. So they delisted themselves from the New York Stock Exchange. OK, so they were no longer a publicly traded company. Uh, they took off the playable teaser they took the playable teaser off of the playstation store okay they canceled that game altogether because guess what that game was going to be a lot of you know some of you don't but that game was going to be the next entry into the silent hill franchise and silent hill hadn't seen a new release for quite some time so fans were just clamoring for this and then the news had begun to come out that Hideo Kojima was heading the development of the game and he was doing this in partnership with uh, famed filmmaker and author Guillermo del Toro and that Norman Reedus was starring in the game. He was the protagonist. So like, you know, that was something that really set fans in a pace to say, what the heck is Konami doing? I mean, you had that holy trinity of characters that would have easily made you money with that release and they canceled it. And that was the big red flag right there, because to think that they would cancel that. It's like, OK, something is far deeper than what we can understand as fans looking from the outside in and it got worse so 
a little ways down the line, um, uh, Konami released, uh, or they were, well, Kojima was developing and, you know, and heading up to release, uh, Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain. And as it was building up to release, there was a lot of speculation and a lot of rumors swirling around that, uh, well, the, well, the first rumor that was going around was, oh, this is going to be Kojima's last game. But that was always the case with every single game that he released outside of Metal Gear one, you know, like to his credit, I don't think he ever thought that the, that the series was going to go past two. Um, but this was just at the behest of Konami as a company to just keep the money rolling. And, and, you know, he got all the way to five and to his credit, they've all been fantastic games, but what was crazy was that uh, it became public knowledge that Hideo Kojima was leaving Konami. He was leaving. He was leaving. And Konami as a company began to show a darker side of how they operate because what they did was they, they basically took Hideo Kojima as a namesake off of his own title because the one cool thing about any game made by Hideo Kojima was that you knew it was a Hideo Kojima game because it said so. So you'd pick up a box and it would say a Hideo Kojima game. And that was always cool to me. I always liked that. I always liked that. Just like to have his signature on, on a game that was just really, really cool. Um, but they, they, they took that away from him and they did a lot of other stuff. You know, they, um, you know, they fired a lot of his contemporaries, a lot of the sub developers who worked under him. They fired them and they blackballed them and they they made it so that they couldn't get hired anywhere. And if they ever spoke about working for Konami, that, you know, it was uh, that they would they would uh, they would suffer legal repercussions. And this was like this is like real life. Right. And as far as like Hideo Kojima, who's a bigger figure than the, than the people I've just spoke about they wouldn't even allow this man to accept an award at the video game awards. They wouldn't even allow him to show up. And that's just crazy. That is just crazy to me. Like they had, they have that much power to enforce their will in that type of way. And I, and I really don't believe it or understand it as a good practice and it's just crazy to me now after kojima left which i mean if i mean i'm pretty sure most of you know you know he didn't fall on his head he landed pretty good and you know he's uh he's actually released uh, a game out of his out of his uh newly formed studio um called death stranding and some like it some don't i mean it's whatever but konami Basically, they they believe I mean, they were firm in their belief. We you know what? We do not need Kojima. He is nobody. We can continue making games because we're just awesome. And they decided to take the Fox engine, which was developed by Hideo Kojima. And they were going to go out and they were going to develop a new game in the Metal Gear series because they they believed that they could make Metal Gear without the head of Metal Gear. And so they released Metal Gear Survive that game did not survive that game died 
on the way in. It was panned by fans and the media alike. Nobody liked it. It yeah. And it was just recently in 2020 that it became uh, news that Konami uh, basically uh, destroyed or or whatever you want to say. Um, they basically they basically just gave up on the, on the Fox engine. So they're 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 basically not developing anything on Fox engine and they're going to go to Unreal and then that's just going to be whatever. This dude left you. He left you an engine in your freaking hands. And, you know, you're so spiteful that you're going to basically just say, look, we're going to just tear it down. We're going to just tear it all down. And and the funny part about it is that they haven't they haven't attempted. Konami has not attempted to release another triple A title since then. Now, they've they've released, you know, some games they they continue to release uh their most popular title which is uh pro evolution soccer so that's their most popular title sells millions upon millions upon millions of dollars uh of of units and yeah they're gonna keep on doing that because it's like madden you really don't have to upgrade anything it's the same exact game every single year you just give it a fresh coat of paint and just push it right right out with a brand new cover it's the same exact thing um but as far as like new games, they haven't developed anything new. Um, they revisited Contra, but it wasn't very good. Um, they, they, you know, the big thing was that their CEO, um, Hayakawa, uh, his name's uh, Hideki Hayakawa. He said, basically, we're going in a different direction. The future of gaming is not on consoles. It is in mobile. And that's where we're moving to. And They've made one notable mobile game, uh, Castlevania Grimoire of Souls, and that wasn't even worldly, worldwide released. It was released in Japan and Canada. That's it. So what they, you know, like what their focus had 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 been and what it's become is just, I mean, it's totally different. And I personally don't think that they have an inability to make games to make great games because they they are they are standing on a wealth of content and intellectual properties and i think that it would just take somebody to just be at the helm and understand that hey look we got a lot of stuff and while yeah we make a lot of money making these you know, Japanese uh, uh, gambling machines. I think they're called pachinko machines. We need to we need to really show some dedication to the people that showed us the love and the support that they have for so many years. They gave that gives us the ability to do what we're currently doing now. You know, to me, it doesn't hurt to have another Castlevania. It doesn't hurt to do, you know, um, an update on an arcade classic and just release it for you know uh consoles it doesn't hurt to do these things to pay homage to the things that that have just made you so famous like why would you not they they have so much under their belt it's insane to think that they wouldn't revisit a lot of this stuff but i tell you what if they do they're going to continue being one of the greatest developers 
out there. Because they just have they, they have way too many strong titles that they can lean on. They have way too much. If they don't. Then maybe somewhere down the road, they'll eventually find themselves falling on their face. I don't know. So that's, uh, you know, that's Konami history of rise and fall uh, in a nutshell. And I don't know. It's like pretty sad, like when you think about it. But, you know, out of its sadness, I wanted to ask like a lot of people. And I was like, I was on Twitter and I was asking people, I was like, yo, what's your favorite Konami game? Just like straight up, what's your favorite Konami game? And I got a few answers. So uh, <clears throat> Omega C Studio, uh, Omega Carotene, said uh, Contra 4. It's about shirtless dudes and sometimes sci-fi bikini armored women running through the jungle, shooting alien crap and alien hearts. What's not to love? But his true vote is Metal Gear Solid. Um, George Armani, uh, who goes by the rpg rpg -er. um he gave me a gif of richter and uh it was for uh castlevania symphony of the night um dr nope who goes by uh crake i'm thinking it's crack pipe i was actually laughing when i was typing it um he said police knots he gave me a uh, sega saturn cover of police knots um the game looters uh the the host at game looters he said, um, and, and we argued about this on his show, and he said it was uh, Castlevania Circle of the Moon. And yeah, no, um, I'm just going to say that live right now. Like, usually I'm unbiased about people's choices, but I'm going to be biased right there. That is not one of their better uh, games, especially not one of their better Castlevanias. Um, and then uh, Tiny's, uh, who goes by the Tiny Z, he said uh, Dance Dance Revolution was... Uh, one of their big games that he really enjoys and appreciates. So let me see uh, what I got online. I'm going to go online right now and see if I can pull up some active ones um, from here. I think I can, but then I don't know. Actually, I don't think I'll be able to, because I've, I asked so many questions on, uh, <laughs> I asked so many questions on Twitter that uh, sometimes they just get lost down the pipeline and you know, it is what it is, but Hey, Thank you guys for coming around. Thank you for uh, listening to this really interesting episode. I really did um, want to talk about um, what made a company as big as they as they were, uh, what made a company as prominent as they were, what are some of the standout things that a company has done, and what ultimately led to their demise. Um, and that's what we did. So hopefully you enjoyed. I know I enjoyed. Um, I'm looking forward to the next episode where we can have some more fun talking about the history of uh, different companies. So uh, with that being said, enjoy your time. Stay safe. Take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye, guys.